0: Everyone and welcome to Enlighten You, Eastern Michigan University's podcast for students. I'm Melissa Thrasher and I'm Lolita Cummings, and, and we, we are, are here, here to enlighten you. you. We have a very important show for you today. As we settle into a new academic school year, we want to ensure all students know they are supported and welcome. We are all different in a variety of ways, and inclusion is essential to all of us here at EMU. As many of you may know, October is LGBTQ
1: History Month, and October 11th is National Coming Out Day. So, we thought it was the perfect time to feature the one and only Betty on this show. Batty was a lead vocalist for EMU's Jazz Ensemble, and she has competed successfully in numerous talent shows here in Michigan. She's also performed for the Detroit Tigers EMU Night, and we are especially excited to announce she recently released her latest single, 97 Boyfriends, and her debut album, Reclamation. All are available on major streaming platforms.
0: But before we get started, we want everyone here at EMU to know we are committed to supporting the LGBTQ plus community, and we do this in many ways. EMU has been recognized as one of the nation's most inclusive campuses for LGBTQ plus students. EMU offers students a professionally run LGBTQ plus support center. EMU is known for hosting many student led clubs and activities, including Welcome Back, Be, Be Queer and the annual Lavender Graduation. And for the first time, EMU sponsored the Pride event in Detroit, which I heard Lolita was a blast. In addition to Batty, we also have here at the table, Dr. Deb Crawford. See, it's always important for us to talk to you about challenges, but also find solutions. Dr. Deb Crawford is an assistant professor in the Department of Leadership and Counseling here at EMU. Before arriving on campus, they earned their PhD from the University of Missouri, St. Louis, where they previously taught and served as a professional counselor. Dr. Crawford specializes in LGBTQ mental health and has researched and published extensively in the area. They've also worked in private practice for more than eight years. Now, let's welcome today's guests, Batty
1: and Dr. Deb Crawford. Betty and Dr. Crawford, thank you so much for joining Melissa and I here and enlighten you. Um, we are so grateful to have you with us. Thank you, Betty. I wanna I wanna start with you because um, I feel like this is this is personal for me. Um, when I knew you, the last time I saw you was in February or March of 2020. It was right before COVID, and you were in my classroom, and we would sit around these big tables, and you would sit right next to me, and you had this beautiful smile on your face, and you were quiet, just like you are right now. Um, and I remember the students telling me what a gifted musician you were, and we're going to hear you and I'm excited about that, but you looked very different than, than how you look now. And I'm wondering, were you in the process or even thinking about transitioning then? Um, tell us about what was behind that smile at that time.
2: I feel like I was, but at the same time, I wasn't. Um, I felt like in that period of my life, um, there was just a lot of uncertainty um, and, of course, that I knew that I was on the LGBTQ plus spectrum, um, but I still wasn't 100% sure um, how I wanted to label myself, which is totally okay when you're going through the process of coming out because it's a journey. Um, I would say that what was on my mind is that I knew that I wasn't existing authentically and I knew that that needed to change. Um, but, of course, I would have to be in my own space to work to navigate through that process. I get that in your own space. Is there something, was
1: that a painful time for you? Was it difficult? Is there something that I could have done to help you through that? Or was that just something that you needed to work through yourself?
2: I feel like that definitely was a difficult time. Um, I want to say more so after we were all sent home for COVID. Um, And then you kind of just have to like sit with yourself and you can't just avoid, you know, you can't just go through the process and motions of life without, you know, facing, you know that experience. Um, I'm not certain if there was anything that like EMU professors or yourself could have done in that moment. I think that was just something that I had to experience myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, like the process of coming out looks different for everyone, but it was definitely um, a difficult time for me.
1: Absolutely. You said, you know, during that that time in the beginning of COVID, I actually got a divorce. And so I know what it feels like to have to sit with something by yourself during that time because you don't have friends who can come and console you because no one, I mean, we were all afraid to be with anyone else. You may have had a little bubble, but that quiet time, just sitting with yourself. For me, I often think it was one of the most difficult times of my life because I didn't have the support I needed, but it was also probably a blessing because I had to sit with pain and angst that I would not have sat with by myself had it not been the COVID, the period. How do you feel about that?
2: I agree with that. Um, I think during the pandemic as well, just like having so much time to yourself, although it was difficult, I think that it was also beneficial just to be able to have that time to myself to figure things out. Mm -hmm. But it was also kind of hectic in the process of living with my parents, but like having to (laughs) figure it out. too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But of course, I've got it figured out. (laughs) Good. Good. Well,
1: I welcome you again here today, and and thank you so much for agreeing to share your story. There's so much we
0: want to learn from you.
2: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you both brought up COVID, because COVID was a a time for reflection, too. So it sounds like a lot of us had time to reflect. Yeah. Personally, I actually changed jobs uh, during COVID, and um, this marks my two-year anniversary at EMU, and I just had to sit, like you both did and and I had time to reflect. And I knew that I wanted to change careers. And so here I am today. Baddie, I have to say, we love the name Baddie, <laughs> And I often hear people refer to themselves as Baddie because sometimes I wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, oh, yeah, I'm a Baddie." <laughs> so I want to know, we want to hear from you. What's behind the name? Why do you call yourself Baddie?
2: It started as a joke. <laughs> I was in the mirror, like, I'm a baddie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I feel like, for me, it kind of, not kind of, it became an affirmation. Um, It became a way of uplifting myself, um, especially during a time where, like, my self-esteem was definitely low. Um, Coming from a background, you know, where at the time socially everyone wasn't accepting like of my identity personally and when I was still growing into that and what I wanted to personally label myself as. Um, But I think that calling myself Batty helped me turn into my true self.
1: I love that, I I love that. Dr. Depp, you know, obviously this was very difficult for for Batty, what are some of the challenges that students face, especially on a college campus when they're transitioning?
3: Yeah, you know, and I think Early on, it's particularly difficult. I think one, I think any level of of the coming out process, whether you're anywhere on the spectrum, but particularly for uh, the transgender community is that early on, you have this like emotional, like, what is happening to me right now? You know, you kind of go through this like confusion, you go through this, like, also just kind of terror, right? And kind of like realization of maybe things that have happened before and all of that. And so that's part of it. So you've got your own emotional thing going on. But then in the beginning, too, especially uh, with trans folks, in the beginning, depending on what your transition process looks like, how you feel on the inside most likely does not match how others see you. Mm. And so oftentimes you may kind of have this realization and how you feel isn't matching how others are referring to you or how you look. And that can create... Um, you know basically something that's called gender dysphoria which is like this feeling of like looking at yourself and it doesn't match how you feel and it can create like uh incredible um really just a lot of like emotional discomfort and you know pretty intense you know feelings around all that up
2: on you 100%, sometimes. yeah
3: yeah and and it can be little things you know and it can be things from like um people using the wrong name or um it can be even just like you know, I'm too tall and no woman is this tall and, you know, like I've had clients from all sorts of things. And the way that the relates is in the beginning, it's hard because it is the most mismatched you will ever be most often, right? And then as you move through, depending on and not everybody that transitions does any level of physical transition, not, like there, there's a spectrum on that as well. But especially in the beginning, so you've got everything that's going on with you, like of the the feelings of you processing and sorting through it, but then also having to deal with how others perceive you. Um And how how your body isn't matching how you feel on the inside. And so like on a college campus, for example, um, you know, you might have professors like if you registered under a certain name, Mm -hmm. you know, they just have what's on a roster and they just see your name. It's why asking for pronouns are so so important because just because someone looks like, say, um, a cisgender woman or a cisgender man, it doesn't mean that's how they identify. They may be very early on in their process. Mm -hmm. And so like... You know, a lot of the argument of like, yeah, but I can tell by looking. Well, no, you can't because sometimes someone's so early on in their transition that you're actually causing harm by doing that. And so that's why it's so important to ask, you know, and so, and that's, it's already like such a sensitive and difficult thing to start with. So there's a lot, but on a college campus, I would say like, that's going to be one of the things where you're constantly meeting people that don't know you, you know, when you have a circle and you come out to your circle, they know you, right. And, and they can do that. But like, you're constantly going to classes where you're meeting new people, you're constantly going to, you know, whatever the financial aid office, your professors, right. So it's just like, kind of constantly having to come out over and over and over again, if that makes sense. That is, that makes perfect sense. Yeah.
1: Um, and, and, you know, when I I receive my, my class rosters every semester, there are probably only a couple students that have the, the pronouns listed, but I can see how that's so important because otherwise we wouldn't know. And most of them, I mean, all of us, I would assume, would want to be respectful, but we simply don't know. But I would imagine that that's very helpful Yes. To Another you. Another
2: thing I wanted to bring up, um, I'm not sure if it's different now, but I feel like it would also be important for just, like, within uh, the system to be able to, like, change it as many times as you need to oh. because as you're growing, you're going to change. Um, like, I was only, like, 18 or 19 at the time, and I'm not the same person that I was at 23. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you only had the option of changing it once within the system. So I think that would be important to be able to do it at any time.
1: Thank you. That would seem like that would be something that we should be
0: able to do internally, and it's obviously very important. Exactly. And so I understand that the process is different for everyone. And Batty, you mentioned that you started the, are thinking about the transition process at 18, Mm. and now you're 23. So was there any one experience or someone that, that helped you come to that conclusion?
2: Not really, no. Okay. Okay, not um, okay. I kind of just always knew um, that, like, I was on the LGBTQ plus uh, spectrum, um, and I would just need like my own private time to figure it out.
1: So, was there any? So, what? What gave? I mean, that, I'm assuming that that was incredibly difficult for you, especially around certain people and maybe family or friends. Um, what gave you the courage to do was it any one thing or was it just you truly wanting to just be your authentic self and and not denying that anymore
2: i feel like wanting to be not wanting but needing to be my authentic self um and of course it can be very daunting mentally when you have to navigate life not being yourself um and i just felt like another thing it even began to impact my music Um, like I felt like I kind of hit a writer's block um, and wasn't really able to create because I had been I was songwriting when I was a student at Eastern um, but I just felt like none of my songs really reflected who I was at the time so I just realized that even with that I had to be who I was supposed to be.
3: I think related to that I think what a lot of people don't realize is when you are a part of i mean a part of the lgbtq community in general but really any kind of minoritized community there's kind of this societal expectation of what you should be and 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 kind of when you are look like this this is how you should behave or when you um you know have this particular thing this is how you should be and so when you realize that you're not like that mold Mm -hmm. um that's that's part of what makes it so difficult because you're going against the grain of what society tells you you should be Mm -hmm. and some people really push hard against that and so that's what's so scary because you realize you you are it's part of the scary thing of when you're coming out is you realize like kind of like i'm not a target but kind of you know right like i mean like that like i'm going to be different and this has a pretty big meaning for me
0: absolutely yeah i think dr crawford that's a perfect segue into the next question how can EMU and other universities support students who are transgender?
3: Um, well, I think EMU does a good job in the sense of like having, you know, they have resources, which is really wonderful. I think something for people to keep in mind, too, with that e- gender identity is also a spectrum, right? Not everybody that doesn't identify, um, you know, with their uh, sex assigned at birth, Um necessarily means that they identify as trans. You know, there are all sorts of gender expansive identities and things like that as well. And so I think a lot of people assume that if you're not X, you're Y, kind of in like a situation like that. And so I think to be making sure that you're open to all experiences of how someone may identify and not to make assumptions um i think is another big one um you know about like how someone might identify which is you know why it's good to you know not necessarily ask are you transgender right, right like right, but i mean you like you know right like oh god please don't do that but i mean <laughs> but i mean that's an assumption uh-huh. you know but i mean to just ask folks you know um you know how would you like me to refer to you? You know, is there, um you know, what pronouns do you use? That sort of thing, super easy. But in terms of like the university as a whole, I think EMU does a good job because they're very visible with their support of LGBTQ stuff. Um, the university, another university I was at previously, was not so openly supportive about it. You know, you didn't really see much on their social media accounts, you didn't really like see a whole lot. And so, like, it just kind of created this feeling of like, Are you, am I welcome here? Am I not welcome Uh, here? I'm not totally sure. And EMU does a really good job with like having events and all that sort of thing. And so, um, but I think it has to be, you know, kind of a a campus wide, just feel making people feel welcome and making people like at any point in their journey, um, not feel that they are doing something wrong or, you know, making unnecessary barriers, you know, to things,
1: Yeah. Yeah. Betty, did you how did you feel when you when you transitioned here at the university? Did you did you feel welcome? Were you aware of the resources that were available to you? And did you take advantage of them? I mean, how did how were you treated?
2: So I actually didn't transition while like okay. So while while I was on campus, I didn't. Um, I waited until my last semester at Eastern, and I was still uh, taking online classes at the time. I was private. okay. <laughs> I was like. I was like I'm gonna just keep to myself for now. Okay. So yes, I was pretty private if I'm being honest. Okay. All
1: right. And have you interacted with friends who were here, you know, yes since, and have they been kind and welcoming? Yes, absolutely. Okay.
2: If not, they would have been cut. I love <laughs> that bad <fatty cut> off. <laughs> Very um, good. But yes, I I would say that um I didn't I didn't begin my journey until my final semester at Eastern. Um and was pretty private about it.
0: Okay. Good. Good. Yeah. So Deb, I was recently doing some research about transgender individuals, and I learned that about 14 or 15 individuals had lost their lives due to stigma, discrimination, and that's really serious. So this is a two-part question. The first part of the question is, how do we protect individuals who identify as transgender? What can we do to support them?
3: Well, wow, that's a big question. Um, that's a very big question. So yeah, I mean, and the statistics are alarming. Um, uh, transgender transgender women in particular, especially transgender women of color, are particularly targeted more than any other uh, community in terms of uh, murder and harassment and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it's, it's alarming. And in addition to that, there's also uh, transgender individuals have quite high suicide rates as well. Um, so it's not just, uh, you know, from other folks, but also from within because of how they're being treated on the the outside, right? How they're treated in, in, in society as a whole. It's, it's reflective of the same problem, right? Um, one is just, you know, someone else inflicting violence. You know, the other is just internalizing, you know, everything that you're having to go through. And so... I mean it's a big question you know I mean a, a lot of it's societal and um it's, you know trying to change societal perception and societal um uh, barriers and just overall trying to get people to understand you know I think a lot of people don't understand and the, most of the people who are uh, discriminatory or all that sort of thing they don't really understand um i i find um or then they don't they're not open to understanding i think that's the thing they're very closed off to any level of education or they're very closed off in their in their views of things and so i think being able to educate and being able to humanize the person um, that is that in question
2: to kind of piggyback off of that. I think that a lot of people fail to realize that there are queer and trans people in their friend group who just might not feel comfortable even coming out to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And you'd be surprised how often someone in your family is. Um, So people just need to give us more grace with the language that they use um, and just how they treat uh, queer people in general.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Is there anything that Professors can do mental health experts can do, especially when thinking about our EMU community. Is there anything that we can do more to support individuals who identify as transgender?
3: Yeah, I think really the big thing is educate yourself um, as well. Don't rely on necessarily the, the student to educate you on like transgender issues or things like that. Like so much of it is you need to do the work yourself. I think um, a lot of times the minority person ends up being the one to do that emotional labor of having to educate for themselves. And and it's not really their their job to have to do that. So I think making sure that you yourself as a professor or, or whatever role you have on campus, that you are the one also doing the work to educate yourself on some of these things. Um, and, you know, aside from some of the things I've, you know, we, I mentioned earlier of like not making assumptions and, um, but with mental health professionals and and professors and all of that, number one is being affirming, um, you know, whatever, you know, f- go affirm whatever it is that the, that the student or the client is is talking about or, or you know, whatever. And so I think that that's gonna be the number one thing is be affirming, be be open and educate yourself, I think would probably be it's the three. And Maddie, I don't know if you have other things to yeah, add. Yeah, but... I
2: do. Um, I think that another thing that could help is assisting students with gender affirming care. Um, It could even be anonymous, um, but if there was some way that there could be like a partnership with the LGBTQ plus resource center, um, if students could apply for some, um, for like a grant or just some funding, or if there could be like a scholarship application just to even receive some gender affirming care could make a huge difference in a student's life.
1: I love that. I love that. Yeah, that's something we need to work toward. Uh, Dr. Deb, are there any like therapeutic or interventions that students who are, are in need of help can get from health professionals?
3: Not a particular technique, no. Um, really, the big thing is just finding someone who is affirming and, um, you know, someone who uh, is familiar with and works with the LGBTQ community. You know, unfortunately, um, sometimes uh Sometimes folks can still experience that level of discrimination, even with uh, mental health professionals or doctors or all that sort of thing, um, unfortunately. Um, so I think just making sure they're finding somebody who is um, affirming. I mean, that's going to be your that's the kind of gold standard in terms of mental health treatment, finding someone who is who is uh, does, it's affirming therapy. Um, and so and it's not necessarily a type of therapy therapy. Um, because generally theoretical orientations are pretty generic and and broad. It's more so that it's that it's an affirming approach and not trying to change. Um, you know something that we've probably all heard of maybe is conversion therapy, and that's been used primarily for uh, kind of the queer you know side of things but the um but it's there for transgender folks too and unfortunately it's extremely harmful it's 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 and it's traumatic and um for anybody that's not familiar with that is essentially what conversion therapy is is basically trying to decondition being either attracted to someone of a different gender or um or uh, of a a same-sex partner or something like that or trying to kind of decondition you away from uh identifying with the gender that you're currently identifying with you know or being transgender so it's it's really really troubling and traumatic um the american medical association actually denounces it um and so um but and it doesn't unfortunately it's still being done so all that to say um just to make sure that, you know, the person is connecting with someone who is affirming to, to not do any harm and all that sort of thing. Um, I would say the, the counseling services on campus because students do get a certain number of free uh, sessions on campus. um, The, the center is, you know, is LGBT affirming and all that sort of thing. So I think um, that could be a good place to start. And then maybe your therapist there could help you to, they get connected to someone in the community that you could see long term.
1: Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: yeah, I'm learning a lot today. Thank you. So we we're talking about therapy and Baddie. We know that you're a beautiful artist, um, musically talented, and so you know just thinking about your process, um, did music help you?
2: To say music helped me is honestly an understatement. Um, I feel like being able to write um, about the experiences that I've gone through and that I'm currently going through um, has definitely changed my life.
0: Wow. And we'll hear a little bit from you later, which I'm so excited about. So yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I think we may have time for just maybe one or two more questions, but um, tell me, what does the future hold for you, Batty?
2: What, What do you, what do you want out of this life? I want to say in the near future, um, I want to be able to turn my debut album into a show and hopefully go on tour one day.
0: I love that. Take so you hopefully would... out of the
2: equation. Right, right. 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 Gonna Take that it out. To happen. It's gonna happen. It's right. going to
1: happen. So that's your dream is yes. to do your music full time. Yeah. Can you describe some of your music to us? What what is your music like? How would you describe it?
2: Okay, so I would say that a lot of my songs are anthems, um, definitely relatable to the LGBT community. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there was um there was one song that I wrote. <laughs> I wrote <laughs> I wrote this song, I want to say, um, last fall. Um, it's called Bus With Two S's Down Wig. Okay. 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 <laughs> um, and so within the song, um, I say Calling All the Dolls, which is an, a term of endearment for trans women. Um, but it's just a really fun song that um, fuses both pop pop vocals but also with the house beat um so it's very upbeat and i had filmed my first music video this year for that um and then i have another song that just recently came out called 97 boyfriends yeah um and so Love that song thank you <laughs> That song is also really upbeat, but the message behind it is a little little more serious. Um, unfortunately, a lot of transgender people experience fetish, they're fetishized. Um, and so the song is basically telling people to stop fetishizing trans women, especially black trans women.
1: Okay. Interesting. And you your album, Reclamation, yes. your debut album, yes. right? So both of these songs are on the album?
2: Yes, they are. Um, and I just released that album. Um, and so the album has 16 tracks total. So some of the songs are actually um, a mixture of my experiences at Eastern as well as Detroit and Ypsilanti. Um, but some of the songs... I wrote when I was, like, 18 or 19, and then some of them I wrote when I was 23, so.
1: And so the the ones that you wrote previously, are you changing them? Has the feel for, because you're a different person. Absolutely. How has the music changed?
2: I feel like the music has, I feel like, honestly, when I first wrote some of those songs, they were more, like, gloomy and, like, you know, I was going through some things, if I'm being honest. Um, and then throughout the process, I was able to write some of those upbeat um, and happy songs because initially the, the album was going to be called 13 Years because that's how long I had to wait to come out. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. And that's actually one of the names of the songs on the album, too. All uh-huh. right, mm-hmm. wow. And then it turned into Reclamation because I'm reclaiming it now.
0: Love Excuse that. Me. I
1: love that.
0: <laughs> I like that a yeah. lot. Yeah, too.
1: Well, we're going to listen to some of Baddie's music now. Enjoy
0: it with us.
2: After 13 years of living in fear, I finally claimed the best part of myself after 13 years.
0: Baddie, that was fabulous. Thank you. Yes, great music. Keep doing what you're
1: doing. Love it. If so, if I'm walking down the street and someone gives me a compliment and makes me feel good, what's the best compliment I could give you? Ooh, that's a
0: good one. We need to to the Go ahead um, with the compliment.
2: Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I was okay, okay, okay. I would say, oh, this lash. Um. I would say either makeup, because I'll like, be doing mine in the car, uh, <laughs> or like hair, because I'll be real quick, um, or outfit. I would say outfit, hair, or makeup for me. That's Some so other people, I feel like it's more deep, but me, for me, it's like those three things, because I haven't been doing it for that long. Visible, so. visible for you. Because mm-hmm. I've only been doing makeup for like a little over a year, so like.
1: Oh, well, I have seen some of your Instagram posts. They I do not look, that does not look like someone who's new to the
2: makeup
0: crash. <laughs> they will thank you so much. I, I was very curious about that. Thank you. So we have one last question for the two of you. And we know that the journey for transgender individuals can be challenging. What advice do you give to students who are dealing with some of the struggles of transitioning?
2: I would say to take your time. Don't let anyone pressure you um, into doing anything that you don't want to do, especially social media. Um, I think it's important to not compare yourself and don't compare your own experiences to other people because you don't know um, what someone has gone through behind closed doors. It's good. It's good. Do
3: you have any advice, Dr. Croft? I think to piggyback off of that, I think to just be gentle with yourself. You know, this is a a scary process and a big process and can be a really wonderful process Um, and to just be gentle with yourself all throughout the way. Um, There's no handbook written exactly how you're supposed to do this, right? This is, everyone's journey is going to be unique. Um, So just be gentle with yourself and, and one day at a time. Wow. I like that. Betty
1: and Dr. Crawford, thank you so much for enlightening us, for sharing your story with us, for giving us amazing advice. We could not do this show without you. So thank you so much for joining us here at Enlighten You. Thank you. Of course, thank you. Wow,
0: Lolita, that was a great show. It really was. We learned so much from Batty and Dr. Crawford. Yes. And just one more thing before we go. Next month,
1: we will feature the negative effects of social media. So if you believe you have been harmed by social media and would like to join us here at enlighten you, please email us today. But if you'd rather not appear on the show, email us your questions or comments. You do not need to be here to be heard. We would love to share your story. Now, with that said, our next episode will drop around the 15th of next month on all your favorite podcast platforms as well as EMU's YouTube channel. So please like the video, Tell your friends and help Help us us to enlighten enlighten you.